Join Planet Fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Join for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Podcast live gut reaction simulcasting on YouTube. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he oh. is Zach Kelberman. Zach, this is going to be a tough one. My heart goes out to Broncos country. We are all at a loss at this point. What an <laughs> ugly, ugly loss. At this point, I, they really are uh, among the worst teams in the NFL. It's not just a, one person's opinion. It's not just uh, something to write in a story. They had no business losing this game today. They had that game well in hand facing a Jaguars team that does nothing overly well at home. You take the lead in the last minute, and then you blow the game in the final stretch with your Vic Fangio uh, you know, resounding defense falling apart once again, withering when it matters most, just like the Vance Joseph outfits. Nothing has changed, Chad. Literally nothing has changed. When Sutton scored that go-ahead touchdown, I was like, cool, but the Jags are going to just cut right through this defense. They were gassed. Fangio was fresh out of answers. He had nothing. And the defense, I mean – we, we dial it all the way back to OTAs. And we're like, I wonder why the Broncos are practicing in game jerseys. Oh, it's so that they can, you know, acclimate to game-like situations and Fangio's practicing over and over again, critical situations and situational football and tackling and fundamentals. Where was that today? Mm-hmm. That's what's such an indictment here is that Fangio, he looks like a coach at this point, unfortunately, that is way in over his head. And uh, that sounds pretty familiar from last year, last couple of years. And it's uh, I see a comment uh, from Donald that says Vance is so much better than Vic. And if you would have gave me a million dollars, I never would have guessed uh, we would have read that comment in week four. It's He talks about tackling being non-negotiable. The Broncos can't tackle. Arm tackles, undisciplined play. It's just you're putting the defense out there in bad positions. Why would you ever not play a Bosby to this point if he's so much better than Yadam? 
What happened to the run defense? Why was Mike Purcell inactive, a run stuffer inactive against a run first team? How do you let a sixth round rookie quarterback come into Denver and outclass your 34 year old in his prime understood quarterback in Joe Flacco? <laughs> there is no excuse for any of this happening. I mean, you can, uh, every week, weeks one through three, okay, it's this, it's this, it's uh, the refs were against them. They were playing on the road. There is no excuses anymore. The Broncos are just a bad football team and they need to blow it all the way up. It seems like such a joke right now to even think or consider Flacco being a quarterback that's that's in his prime. I mean, he was awful. He was bad. He awful. was bad. Guys, we're gonna we're gonna dive even more into this game. We're gonna get to all of your reactions. We're gonna do everything we can as your football priest to help you exercise the demons from this game and this 0-4 loss. Try and help you at least hit your week on some level-headed kind of emotional <laughs> ground zero after this massive, massive disappointment. But first, just a couple of quick reminders. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, as you can see for our live viewers on YouTube. Follow myself at Chad and Jensen on Twitter, Zach at Kelberman NFL. And for our listeners who are going to be hearing this on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast listening platforms, take some time and go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a creative review and a five-star rating if you like what you hear goes a long way toward helping out the show. It's a great way to support us. And we're going to be giving away some swag to some randomly selected viewers, our listeners too as well, I guess I should say. Uh, I guess that'll be on Tuesday. So get that done. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's dial this back a little bit and try and make sense of how this completely fell apart for the Denver Broncos because they actually got out to a really good start. For the first time, this offense showed some – I mean, not only were they moving the ball, but they were closing drives. They established a 14-point lead. What, before we dive into all the ill and all the bad – what were the positive takeaways from you, at least from that first half from the offense? Uh, Flacco looked pretty good. He was The play calling was more aggressive. They were throwing down the field. Noah Fant got involved. Cortland Sutton got involved. They were opening the playbook, and, and it was working well with the running game. It just seemed like, to me, the shackles were finally off, and the Broncos were playing pissed off for once instead of playing defensively. They played that way in the second half, though. They went into a complete shell. But in the first half, 
I was least encouraged. They can at least go up on a, a pretty decent Jacksonville defense. And when the Broncos play with the lead, it helps the defense pin their ears back. So I was encouraged. I mean, you look at Flacco's numbers. He eclipsed 300 yards passing, thanks in large part to that final drive where he accumulated 80 of his 303 passing yards, five for five on that final drive. But so inconsistent. The Jaguars, what was that, 20 unanswered points that they Mm -hmm. scored from the end of the second quarter until the Broncos finally got that go-ahead score with under two minutes to go. Joe Flacco, the unfortunate truth is, he just doesn't move the needle. He keeps you right there. And for a team that... (laughs) Now, listen, if this was even the 2016 Broncos, Flacco's the kind of quarterback who can win you some games. But there are so many holes across this defense, across this offense. The coaching is still figuring out what it's doing. There are so many holes. You are fooling yourself, Zach. If you're John Elway, if you're Vic Fangio, if you're Rich Scangarello, you are completely sticking your head in the sand and fooling yourself if you think Joe Flacco is the the answer right now. He's not. This team is so far behind the eight ball. The only answer at this stage, the only answer is to, you know, buckle down, grin and bear it for the next four games and get Drew Locke out on the field ASAP. Yep. And, and you know, as well as I do, Chad, I mean, I haven't liked the, the Flacco move. I've been bashing it since the moment the news broke. He was just not the right quarterback for this team. They made a lateral move. You might even say a downgrade going from Case Keenan to Joe Flacco. As sad as that is, they needed a youth movement. They took one step in the right direction, getting Drew Locke. Unfortunately, he had that injury. But even before that, they were just going all in on Joe Flacco, and it was a mistake from the get-go. They had the perfect setup to blow this whole thing up, go into a full rebuild, take your lumps with a young quarterback, just like the Redskins are doing now with Dwayne Haskins, and then move on to 2020. But all they did this year was waste a year of Locke's development and waste a year uh, in general for this season. It's not going to go anywhere with Flacco. Uh, He's just not a good quarterback. It's as simple as that. you got to wonder how much John Elway at this stage – is really ruining his decision to go ahead and bite the bullet and put Locke on IR to open this season because we know that last week he started throwing again, per the report by Ryan Konigsberg, that he was going to start throwing last week. So if he's throwing, probably a good chance that he could be ready to go this coming week against the L.A. Chargers on the road in L.A. It might be a tough game, but you know what? Here's the thing. At this stage, it wouldn't matter. Flacco's not the answer. This team has squandered there any opportunity for this to be a meaningful season. So now the only way to find, to, to bake meaning back into the 2019 season is for these young guys to go through a trial by fire, figure out how to play in the league, and you know basically start stacking wood on the fire for 2020. That means getting Drew Locke out on the field ASAP. But Elway tied his own hands. The soonest that can happen now is week nine. And how about redoing Joe Flacco's contract and, and pretty much tying yourselves from another couple of years? It was just such a short-sighted move, Chad. And it's like, this is all falls on Elway. He traded for Flacco. He, he put all his eggs in the Flacco basket, and he tied himself to him now financially. Uh, unfortunately for Drew Locke, the Broncos have to make a move because right now the locker room is probably on the verge of a mutiny. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders said it was a world of suck. I agree. It's beyond suck right now. Suck is a compliment, but they, they have to do something. And I hate to say it already, but four games in, the Broncos are playing for 2020 at this point. They're playing for the future. They're seeing what the players, who they have, who they should keep, who they should get rid of. It's evaluation at this point. 
And as soon as they can, I'm right there with you, Chad. They have to put uh, Drew Locke in the game and just uh, see what you have in him. He's, you, don't, you know what you have in Joe Flacco. You cannot say the same about Drew Locke yet. So what does that mean for guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris, who played like crap today, Vaughn Miller, Derek Wolf, these vets who they're the holdovers, right, from Super Bowl 50. The Broncos aren't about to – now, listen, we at this stage you have to start entertaining calls. Maybe even you start making some calls regarding these veterans. But these holdovers from Super Bowl 50, you're not going to be able to trade them all, right? How do you, where do these veterans in your mind fit into basically the facts, the reality this team has to face at this stage moving forward, another 12 games still left to play in the season? Where do you think they're at on an emotional level? Because we didn't get a chance, the way our podcasting schedule worked out last week, we didn't get a chance, you and I, to discuss Von Miller's 13-second press conference on Thursday. And it really felt, I mean, boiling it down, it feels like those veterans, the holdovers, they're at the end of their rope. Emotionally, they are yep. tapped out. Yep. And it's not just these four games. It's not just 2019. This is the culmination of basically you, date, you, you go back to the final quarter of the 2016 season up until now. It's The straw has finally broken that camel's back, it feels like to me. Now, however, though, Zach, Von Miller played like the Von Miller we're used to seeing today. But it just wasn't enough because this isn't the defense of old. And even Vic Fangio, the X's and O's czar and wizard that he was billed to be and that we know statistically and historically he has it in him to be, that is simply not coming out in the wash. Uh, when it comes to Von Miller, I took a lot of flack on Twitter because I, I thought he was uh, going through the motions in that press conference, kind of just regurgitating cliches. And that was my opinion. It, it didn't seem like the same Miller who came out in that Arizona press conference last year. He's really, I think, ending the end of his rope, like you said, Chad, nearing it. He's tired of losing. He's wasting his prime. And I bet Chris Harris Jr. feels that way. He's past his prime or, you know, getting to that point. Emmanuel Sanders feels that way. This is a proud bunch that did nothing but win until the last couple of years. So now they're just doing nothing but losing. So I would not be surprised if emotionally they're going to start pulling away and just going through the motion trying to get through the season unscathed and try to get out of Denver uh, probably uh, sooner than later. I really think this is unfortunately one of those situations where almost in a Darwinistic evolutionary type of way, the torch is going to have to get passed on to the young guys in terms of leadership. It's going to be, it's going to have to be your Philip Lindsay's of the world, your Cortland Sutton's of the world that have to rally these troops and fight for not only what's happening now, but what the emotional well-being of this team is going to be moving forward because these veterans to, to preserve their own sanity, they're shutting down emotionally. That's what it feels like to me. Okay. And, and it's understandable. They're human. I mean, they get paid the big bucks to go out and execute on an emotional level though. It's hard to alter what this team is going through and what these veterans have had to live through for the last two and a half years in real time. Now let's get to what our, our, our awesome viewers and listeners here have to say this is from JS 9798. This is an absolutely bad football team. Fangio will get his chance, but this team needs to be rebuilt once and for all. Okay. Should have went with Matt LaFleur or Zach Taylor route from the beginning. You know, I don't think that would have mattered, Jacob, because here's why. You would still have to have a GM slash president of football operations in lockstep with what your head coach would want to do. John Elway was not interested in starting lock from the very beginning of this thing. John Elway was all about continuing to live this fantasy that they were one middle-of-the-road quarterback away and the right head coach away from turning this ship around. Now, maybe your prospects at this stage are a little bit better because 
a young head coach like a LaFleur, like a Zach Taylor, they could be getting things ready for the return of Drew Locke to, to turn the page and move forward that way. But I really don't think it would have made a difference in terms of this team necessarily starting 0-4. We do have to put a lot of this on Fangio because this this was a completely undisciplined, emotionally impotent performance. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, emotionally impotent. Yeah, they were pretty uh, uh, soft in that game, I would say. But yeah, I, you know, I don't really fault the Broncos for hiring Vic Fangio. I thought it was obviously a great hire, and uh, they wanted a, a veteran coach who's been there and done that. They wanted to go away from Vance Joseph. I get that. The only reason I would have liked a LaFleur or Zach Taylor is to mold your young quarterback. But I actually laid the blame a lot at John Elway's feet. He's still the one buying the groceries. He's still the one picking the players, picking the coaches. And all of it comes back to him now. He's the one that traded for Joe Flacco. And for my money, Flacco was the biggest culprit of this game. He's the reason they lost. He certainly didn't do anything to help him win. So I laid the blame at Elway. He picks the guys, he picks the players, and he's not making not right decisions. We're talking about Leonard Fournette. This is shades of the first quarter of last season in which the Broncos relinquished 200-yard individual rushers in back-to-back games. Leonard Fournette, 225 rushing yards with that dagger of an 81-yard romp that really just took all of the emotional air out of the Broncos' defense and just gassed them. Jared Ortiz here says, Shelby Harris is not a nose tackle. Fangio is literally coaching a bad defense right now. How is this even possible. Part of the reason it's possible, Jared, is the fact that if you look at the three big free agent acquisitions the Broncos grabbed this past spring, 12 possible, well, now let's see. Yeah, 12 possible games. They've combined to miss eight games, those three players. So that's a a big reason for it. You were missing Kareem Jackson today. You still haven't seen Bryce Callahan out on the field. Josie Jewell started the game but left really early with that hamstring. And Shelby Harris, yeah, it's looking like he's miscast. If I'm Vic Fangio, look, Shelby, you're in a contract year. We're still going to, you're still a key part of this defense. We're going to rotate you in at five tech. Maybe we're, maybe we even replace Adam Gotsis with you as a starter. But guess what? Mike Purcell, come on up. We need someone to stuff the run and clog up the running lanes on first and second down because this was an embarrassment, Zach. You know who was pretty good at that? Domata Pecco, another guy I always let get away. And I like Shelby Harris and all, but he's not a pure run stuffer. They had Zach Kerr at that role. They had uh, Pecco at that role. And they had Purcell at that role. And he, for whatever reason, is inactive. I don't understand it. And that falls on coaching and Vic Fangio. He's the one that declares the players that are playing. So, yeah, they had a better scheme, I hate to say it, under Vance Joseph, only because Joseph used players that were predominant run stuffers. Nevets 4433 also participated in our live blog uh, open thread at milehighhuddle.com during the game. He says, maybe they will finally admit to the rebuild and do it for real. And this brings up an interesting topic because our Eric Trickle, whom everybody knows, he had an article up earlier this week, this past week, refuting the notion that the Broncos have not been in, have not rebuilt since Super Bowl 50. And he pointed to Things like uh, trading away a keep to leave, getting rid of Demarius Thomas, and a few other different moves as uh, evidence that the Broncos have been trying to rebuild. And there, there is some truth to that. But, Zach, the bottom line is the Broncos have not fully, full face turned and confronted the rebuild. They've tried to take shortcuts. They they felt like they could get around you know, some of the um, – uncomfortable and painful 
downsides of having to rebuild by putting trying to put band-aids over bullet holes whether it's the two quarterbacks in back-to-back years that they brought in Keenum and Flacco there's a bunch of other moves but I remain adamant that yeah I think the Broncos have made they've they've signaled a few rebuild type of moves and transactions but they've never they haven't fully committed to it and when I say fully commit to the rebuild Zach I'm not saying tank like the Dolphins are you don't have to tank in order to rebuild you don't have to mail it in in order to rebuild but when you are really embracing the reality of a rebuild, it, what it does is it informs your d- business decisions on game day. It informs where you invest your money. It informs a lot of things. And, and when you're in a rebuild mode, really what it comes down to, Zach, is you have your you know, few token veterans that you need to have in there. But you are playing your young players for a purpose. You're getting your, if you have a young franchise future guy, quarterback you're putting him in their asap and the same goes for all of the key positions in which your team has invested you know in draft picks those players need to be playing at this stage and many of them are but the most crucial position the broncos they still have to wait on that because they made the, the choice to put Locke, who was injured but they chose to put him on ir uh, to me, the Broncos did half measures to go in a rebuild and still be a win-now team. And you can't have your cake and eat it, too. It's either you commit to being a rebuild or you commit to being a win-now team. And as soon as they traded for Joe Flacco, a 34-year-old quarterback who was just dumped by the Ravens for a rookie, that signals an all-in win-now approach. They just don't have the horses for it. This was the perfect opportunity, as I said multiple times, in January. Get a new coaching staff, a rookie head coach, blow up the whole operation. You draft Drew Locke. You have an opportunity now, not to tank, as you said, because no team wants to admit to that, but just evaluate. Evaluate for the future. Evaluate for 2020. You can't do both. you got to go on one side of the fence or the other, and Elway chose to sit on the middle, and that's what you know, they're seeing the results of that. Jay Thomas says, Flacco looks like a bored, sad old man out there. Elway must heavily pursue an inside linebacker via draft, high in the draft or in free agency. <clears throat> also, Chris Harris Jr., Playing like a 15-pound, I think that's a sign I'm American, so forgive my ignorance. They're cornerback, not 15 million. Play calling is shocking, all bad, top to bottom. And I agree, Jay, that yeah. Chris Harris, you know, the Broncos, he held out. The Broncos paid him, gave him gave him a rare, what was it, Zach, an extra $3.5 million raise yeah. this year, something like that. And he's not, I mean, look, it's not like he's giving up big touchdowns and getting smoked, but in crucial situations – when he does get targeted, he's relinquishing the reception, and he's been horrid in run support. Yeah, if he wants to become the highest-paid quarter in the NFL, he's, he's not, not going to be right. He's not doing himself any favors, and uh, that was just all you know fluff by him talking this year. But uh, he's not playing well. The entire secondary is not really playing overly well. Justin Simmons had a blown coverage that should have been a touchdown if the Broncos weren't bailed out. Uh, that's just you know another area of the Broncos' defense that's falling apart under Vic Fangio, a supposed defensive genius. Just you hate to see it. That co- the coverage scheme and his defensive um, run fits have been atrocious as a play caller. They were able to <clears throat> dial up more pressure. Fangio several times today against the Jaguars dialed up blitzes where he sent more than four guys. And I was glad to see him do it. And when he did, guess what? It paid off most of the time, the vast Shocker. majority of the time. You know, the Broncos, what, they finished with five sacks on the day. So that was better. But his his maybe it's a disconnect from the execution to the scheme. I don't know what it is. But the Broncos, it's just simply not coming out in the wash in any way, shape, or form close to what John Elway, what Fangio envisioned to start this season. Andrew here says, shut the F up about the Flacco bashing. He isn't the problem. And again, Zach, 
we get back to the question of if you're having to say that the quarterback isn't the problem, right? He's part of the problem. Okay, he, he is part of the problem. And look no further, Zach, than yes, he started strong in the first half after uh, crossing the fifty with the opening possession. They get into that, you know, between the opponents, between the fifty and the opponents, thirty-five. The Broncos have a strong tendency so far this year that to, that's where they stall, just outside of field goal range. But then on the two ensuing possessions, the Noah Fant screen, 25 yards, touchdown, followed up not long after by that first Cortland tu- uh, Sutton touchdown. Fant, or, or Flacco was in a groove. He was looking good, but really good quarterbacks, okay, especially quarterbacks that are making somewhere around $20 million a year. They don't go into a shell. After, first of all, they don't throw that pick. That pick was ridiculously hmm. bad high pass inaccurate they don't probably make that th- throw in the beginning or in the first place second though they don't go into a shells act the way he did until two and a half minutes left to go in the game you know this really chaps my behind questions like this you know he might not be the problem or the main problem but he damn well wasn't the solution today and he hasn't been the solution through four weeks it's just as simple as that and until the broncos have a quarterback who is the solution who they win because of and not in spite of you're going to see the same mediocre broncos teams flacco is not the answer he's not the only problem but it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive you can have two problems it's the, the run defense the quarterbacking but the quarterbacking is not good flacco is not good he's not the answer He's part of the problem. Paul says losing is a habit now. And this was something that this goes back to the veterans being at the end of their emotional rope. It's a similar uh, issue here. And that is that when the going gets tough, and I like that one tweet you had, Zach, asking where's the intestinal fortitude when things started to turn like the way it did in that third quarter, where is that gumption? Where is the stones? Where is that intestinal fortitude? The Broncos, yes, I'm, I mean, we all recognize this now. This is a team that has completely forgotten how to win. And so much of winning, whether it's football, any, any aspect of life, so much of winning is belief and confidence and mindset, and the Broncos just don't have it. Just like today, they get up by 14 points. They're cruising, and they're on the brink of extending that possibly to 21-point lead. Flacco throws that pick. Okay, bump in the road. That interception, as bad as it was, Zach, did not have to be the death knell that it ultimately became because this is a team that is ba- – they're basically emotional toddlers at this point because they've been – they've completely forgotten what the model is. And that goes to the veterans as well, to Von Millers, the Chris Harris's, the Derek Wolfs, the Emmanuel Sanders. You know, they say winning's infectious, but I think losing is more infectious. And the Broncos just do not know how to win right now. And to, and to lose at that stage of the game uh, with having no fire and arm tackling and, and bad defense, you just, they don't know how to win. And, and they're a team where if one thing goes off the tracks, if they have one turnover, one bad play, one series, it totally demoralizes them, demolishes them. And that shouldn't be. That's not a good team. That's a sign of a bad team right there. If the game has to be perfect for the Broncos to have a chance, they have a lot a lot of work to do. And no, Tommy, we're not putting the entire game on Flacco. No, but we would be remiss if we were to exempt him from part right. of it. He factored into this thing. The interception crushed the Broncos. It, they almost had, they were in position to extend their lead to three scores. He throws that unconscionable interception. And then to add insult to injury, he goes into a complete shell until three, just under three minutes to go in the game. You can tip your cap to him for that drive. That five for five, 80 yard drive, Sutton's second touchdown to go ahead late. But by that point, the damage was done, Tommy. His inability to um, 
you know, bounce back in the third quarter in any way, shape, or form, left his defense, who themselves were scrambling and struggling and just getting gashed on the ground, he left him out there. He just couldn't. And that's not what the elite quarterbacks in the NFL do. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke now to even use the E word in the same sentence as Joe Flacco, but he's not even like a middle third quarterback in the NFL. I mean, zero and four. Look at his look at his numbers. Look at how he performs. You know, when when it really matters most, he did he did do well in the clutch this time, but it was a day late and a dollar short. Zach, why is everyone caping for Joe Flacco? Every fan should know that a quarterback gets the most criticism. He is the leader of the team. It's the most important position in all of sports. He's not. Again, I'll say this again. He's not the only problem, but he's not the solution, and he's among the problems. And until he's better and plays better and more consistently. They're not going to win many games. I don't understand the Flacco supporters coming out in full force. He didn't have a 600-yard game and five touchdowns. For the, for three and a half quarters, he did not look good in today's game, and that's been the theme of the season. Andrew, this is the exact mindset that you're espousing here. No offense, my friend. This is the exact mindset that's gotten the Broncos into the situation they're in right now. Very few QBs are the solution. Plenty of teams can make deep playoff pushes with average QB play. That's just a mindset you got to dispense with, dude. It's not... It's not going to save the Broncos. This team has too many holes at this stage. Again, if this was even the 2016 Broncos, where you still had that defense playing at a top five level, Flacco can go out and win you nine, 10 games and put you in the playoffs. And who knows? Anything could happen. But this team is so far removed from that caliber of team that they were that it's, it's a joke to even talk about it that way. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Sheldon says, I was very happy that Chubb was okay. I do not know why they kept putting him back out when he was pulled off the field twice. Zach, what was your take on Chubb's performance this week? He finally got on the board himself with a sack, consistent pressure, but he seemed to be part of the problem in my estimation in terms of giving up the edge uh, on in the run game too often. Yeah, it was a, a total breakdown in run defense today. And it's surprising because usually he's very, very stout against the run. But he kind of looked like a rookie again with edge problems and kind of, you know, missed tackles and arm tackles. It was a bad game on the ground from the entire Broncos defense. I'm not going to put the blame on one guy in particular. It was nice that he got a sack. It's nice that he, he made some plays. But 
Um, unfortunately, like you know, the comments said, he was injured and they put him back out there and he wasn't as effective. Is it time to shop Von Miller? Now, I query this. I'm not advocating for this. I still have to let my hormones settle after today. <laughs> Holler back at me tomorrow on this topic. But while the emotions are still running high, let's address it. Trick Lessons Podcast here says, we need to see what we can get for Vaughn while he's hot. And he is hot. He had a big game today. And that's one thing I wrote in my article covering his 13-second press conference where he walked off the, the podium on Thursday was that, look, I think this, you know, I think more of Vaughn Miller than what he's shown himself the first three games of this year. I think he's going to basically let his, his play talk for him, and he did. wasn't enough because there were so many other holes and problems with the team. He couldn't save the day. But at the end of this, I mean, the question here is, should the Broncos look, while Vaughn has now gotten his stock back up to where it needs to be, is this a conversation that needs to happen? Uh, it can happen now, but I think it's something they'll save for after the season. Uh, you know, he's, I think the Broncos are going to see what he does during the year, and they'll gauge his trade value off that. Based on right now, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's looking like he's in a rebound and get, and get some more sacks finally. They can probably flip him for a first-round pick, I, w- I would assume. Maybe not the Khalil Mack Hall, but maybe a first-round pick. But I don't think he's going to get traded this year, and I would definitely think after the year. Maybe they'll start exploring that, but don't look for any major trades uh, this season. Red John says, I feel like Justin Simmons and Devontae Bosby are the best players on D, and it honestly is not even close. I disagree there. Simmons has been solid. Again, unspectacular. Bosby was exposed time and time again um, tonight, today, I should say. Last week, he had an encouraging performance against the Packers, broke up a couple of key passes on third down. Today, though, at least in the second half. The first half, the defense looked like freaking world beaters. Second half, though, Devontae Bosby, Zach, he was left wanting. Let's just put it that way. It's because one team adjusted at halftime, and the other team, the Broncos, did do nothing, and then you saw the result of that. And Simmons, again, you you talk about it all the time, Chad, that he's on the border, on the precipice of being a pro bowler, and he's just never there. He's almost. He's just an almost Simmons. He had a great training camp, great great summer, and he's been – mostly, I would say, not invisible, but he hasn't made the impact that I thought he would make. Bosby, like you said, he got exposed. Uh, I don't think anyone on the defense, except for maybe Chubb, you know, minus today, is playing overly well right now. It's a bad situation. Chubb, Vaughn, and even Malik Reed in rotation and and relief of Bradley Chubb, the the edge players played well today. Todd Davis was atrocious. Will Parks was a freaking joke. Yeah, Parks was awful. The tackling and the coverage was just... It's what you see from an 0-4 team, and they that's why at the end of the day they deserve their 0-4. Here's what TJ says. I agree with Ben Lee. I don't know what Ben said, but the point here being Shaquille Barrett was an outstanding rotational player, and, and Broncos country is pretty hung up on this because while the Broncos went three games without getting a sack, you had Shaq Barrett in Tampa Bay racking up whatever it was, seven, eight sacks to open the season. Guys, you got to keep in mind, who would you rather have at the end of the day? Ask, ask yourself this question. Would you rather have Bradley Chubb? Would you rather have Von Miller or would you rather have Shaquille Barrett? Because they just weren't in a position financially to have all three this year with, with Shaq being an unrestricted free agent. So it really boils down to that. The only way I could have seen the Broncos uh, finding a way to keep Shaquille Barrett is if they moved either Von Miller or Bradley Chubb, which wasn't going to happen. 
Yeah, it, it, there's no way he was going to come back, and it's just unfortunate. But I hearken back to the last couple years and question all the times the Broncos played Shane Ray over Shaq Barrett when it was obvious Shaq was the much better player. Personally, I'm happy to see him thrive against Tampa Bay. I always liked his game, and I think he's in for a monster season and a huge payday uh, next March. Guys, we only got time for a couple of more, and then both Zach and I have to get to work cranking out some content on this game. Let's see here what Jay Thomas – actually, let's go to JL Avenger here. What is the problem with Coach Fangio? He's being outcoached. What can be fixed on the defensive side? Zach, I think this is one of those crucial comedy of, of errors, I guess you could say, in which you have the coaches coming up short – and a combination of that with players really struggling and a lack of talent and a lack of depth. They go through phases where they're kind of in zone and hand-in-hand and they do well, but they can't sustain it. At the end of the day, though, you guys, this falls on coaching. As Zach said just a minute ago, Jacksonville went into halftime embarrassed and said, we got to adjust. What are they doing? We have to find a way to counter. Meanwhile, The Broncos were riding high. They didn't try to anticipate any adjustments that Jacksonville might have made to the way they were being played. And then once Jacksonville began to cram it down their throat, Fangio did not show any kind of uh, adjustment at all to, to take care of that. So what are your thoughts on that? It seems like he's way too stubborn, and I think more stubborn than I foresaw when the Broncos hired him. And it's almost, you know, he's cutting off his nose to spite his face. They should play more zone coverage when they should play more man. They should play more man when they should play more zone. They should activate Mike Purcell. They have to teach better fundamentals. They have to tackle better. He has to blitz more. I mean, these are all things that fall on coaching. Unfortunately, though, unless you can, you know, get a heart transplant going, you're not going to help this team out. They don't have the fight. They don't have the intensity. They don't have the want. And until they do, they're not going to win many games. Hey, look at that, Zach. There's Jordan, the winner, one of the winners of last month's Apple Podcast swag giveaway, wearing nice. the Mile High Huddle hat he received for uh, giving us a creative review on Apple Podcasts. He has a very apropos comment and question here. He says, hey, Chad and Zach, I can't help but think about the 2020 draft. Do you think Drew Locke is better than Justin Herbert? I hope the Broncos don't have to go QB again, but if Herbert is better, they have to. Thoughts? <sighs> Zach... This is a moot point until and unless Drew Locke gets on the field this year. Now, if Drew Locke gets onto the field, which at this stage I think nothing can stop him from coming back out in week nine, and he does get some starts under his belt. Honestly, Zach, unless he tanks at a near historic level and is throwing, you know, Nathan Peterman type of play when he was in Buffalo. (laughs) I don't think the Broncos are going with a quarterback in, in the first round next year. And they're cruising for a top five pick. I don't think that's going to happen, though. So in that sense, Jordan, love you, bro, but I, I have to disagree with you on that. And another thing before I serve this over to you, Zach, I'm not huge on Justin Herbert. He's a very talented dude, but listen to him talk. He sounds like he's 16 years old still. Yeah, I, I don't see it either, and it's really a question we can't answer until we see Locke on the field. And if he doesn't play this year, the Broncos, I think, are going to give him every chance to play next year. If he does um, you know, end up bombing though this year. If he does, you know, look bad, they could go that route. But I think as Minshew proved, you don't have to draft a quarterback in the first round for him to be a good quarterback. They just have to keep swinging until they find that guy, whether it's the second round, third round, whatever. But I think they're going to give Locke the first chance to be that franchise guy before they start bringing in another, you know, quarterback prospect. And now, unfortunately, they have dead cap for Flacco, even if they can move on from him at the end of this season, they're going to feel, in the after, feel the after effects from that decision to adjust his contract, give him a couple extra years. They're going to have some dead cap. 
But you know what? John Elway went from a GM who hardly ever had any dead cap to the last two years living with dead cap in the tens of millions. So here's a note. Then we got to get out of here from Eclipse Stormborn. He's maintaining positivity here. He's seeing 12 and four. This season ain't over. Hashtag Broncos country. Hashtag MHH. I really do appreciate the optimism. And I think because that's just the type of guy I am personally. I like to view things with the glass half full. But at this stage, you guys, you know, we have to face the facts that this is a team fresh out of answers and they can't really make any meaningful changes until Locke gets back. So that's why my message to you is buckle down, grin and bear through the next four games and just look ahead, Zach, to week nine when Drew Locke finally gets to come back out. Hopefully by that point, John Elway. Vic Fangio, they have fully come to terms with the fact that this is a team that really is bad, and it's time to move on from any and all vestiges of fooling themselves about we're one you know average quarterback away from competing for it all again. Yeah, another comment said four and twelve with a little star there to correct him, and yeah, I, I think that's more likely than twelve and four. I love the as a fan, I love and I appreciate the uh, the optimism, but if they can't beat a bad Jaguars team at home after leading in the last minute of the game. They're not going to win many games this year. It's just they have to look at the mirror and and be relative to their expectations. It's all for the future now. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's all for 2020 and beyond at this point. Last thing, I promise, Zach, then we're out of here. Will says, you guys are talking crap about Flacco, but he hasn't looked that bad. Oh my God. Look at the play calling. Horrible. I disagree, dude. The play calling today was pretty dang good. And Flacco early on was a pretty dang good trigger man. But you don't, you can't wilt the way he did. You can't throw that interception at the bottom of the second quarter the way he did, and then wilt until there's, you know, basically you're all you're running a two-minute offense trying to save the game. I'm sorry, Joe Flacco was the problem for the crucial part of the game. That's just the way it is. Wasn't the play calling set? I'm going to say this one more time. The run defense was bad today. The coaching was bad today, but Flacco was also bad today. All of those things can be true at the same time. I don't know where all these apologists are coming from, but he is not a good quarterback. The run defense wasn't good, but Flacco has not been good the entire season. You have to just face facts and call it like it is. That's where we're at, you guys. I'm sorry to cut this short. I know everyone still wants to keep talking, and uh, we could continue till we're blue in the face. But the bottom line is the Broncos are 0-4, and outside of that Chicago Bears game in which Bradley Chubb got that roughing foul, they they deserve to be 0-4. You know? And yeah. even they still, they gave up the 25-yard completion, Zach, on 4th and 15th. So at the end of the day, 0-4, that's where this team's at. And that doesn't, you know, as far as what we're going to do here, it's not going to change our approach. We're going to continue to bring the analysis. We're going to tell you the truth. We're not going to, you know, um, try and blow smoke or, or sunshine up your skirt. We have to hit you with the truth. I mean, that's where we're at in regard to this. It's the only thing we can hang our hats on, Zach, is being honest with each other, continuing right. to, you know, we'll do our jobs covering this team as we always do. You guys – as fans, you got to try and stay optimistic, find things to be optimistic in, but just don't fool yourselves on where this team's at. Yeah, and don't say, you know, 12 and 4, don't, you know, align your expectations to that. They're not going to be a playoff team this year. And, and listen, I, I know that I'm known, I have this reputation as being the more negative one between Chad and I or whatever. I've tried to be positive with this team the last couple of weeks. I predicted win after win after win, and it hasn't come to fruition. You have to just be honest with yourselves and say they are not a good football team. And as soon as Elway admits that to himself and publicly or close to publicly, they're not going to get anywhere. 
That's got to do it, though, you guys, for today's gut reaction. We will be back on Tuesday with a fresh episode. We'll dice through the aftermath of this 0-4 start. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Keep your chins up. Life goes on. There's always next week, and uh, we'll continue to watch these Denver Broncos. Hope for the best and uh, expect the reality of where they're at. (laughs) For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys in a day or so. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.